Hello and welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report. I'm Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. Today we have with us three guests. We've got Paul Weacock. <laughs> I almost got through Paul Weacock. <laughs> oh, Paul Weacock. Paul Weacock. <laughs> Paul Wilcox. The, the, the failed Wee accessory. <laughs> 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 We've got Doug Gobeski. Hello. And Kevin Vredevog. Hey, excited to be here. And we're here to discuss the ninth installment of our sci-fi shuffle. This time Kevin was the selector, and we are watching the 1959 B movie classic. I don't know if classic's the right word. Cult <laughs> hit. I don't know. It's Teenagers from Outer Space, a movie I had not heard of until Kevin suggested it. And by suggested, I mean required us to watch. Uh, as you may recall, I don't know if it made it into the episode, but I did have sort of a flow chart that we landed on this with. It was very much a group decision. Oh, so that's so you could uh, blame us. I didn't realize that. Exactly. I thought that was a fun game. Yeah. <laughs> it was a group decision in the same way that a choose your own adventure is your own adventure. Everything <laughs> did eventually lead to teenagers from outer space, but you still went along for the ride. So. <laughs> Is this another opportunity to use 14 beers at Chili's memes? (laughs) (laughs) It has to be in the blog every time. (laughs) So I think it's safe to say that none of us have seen this, maybe. Kevin, had you seen That's true. Kevin, why did you choose this film for us to watch? So I've always been a big fan of Mystery Science Theater 3000. I mean, I've been watching it with my family since I was probably four or five And as a result, I've always kind of liked the cheesy B-movies. I mean, I don't usually watch them outside of Mystery Science Theater, but I have. I mean, I had seen this one without the uh, riffing in the past. I've watched Ed Wood stuff. I've watched Coleman Francis, uh, Bird Eye Gordon. And I don't know. I just, they're kind of like a comfort food. I don't watch them that often, but even the worst of them, I usually get a good amount of enjoyment out of. And this one had a ray gun that turns people into skeletons, so that was kind of why I <laughs> honed in on this one. Yes. <laughs> you know, we're we're glad you didn't pick the worst of them. Sure, <laughs> no. It's got to have a little something. <laughs> uh, you want me to give a little background on the movie? I mean, maybe we should just establish if anyone else had seen it. I had not oh. seen it, as oh, I goodness believe me. I made clear. I probably haven't. You haven't seen the MST3K? It's it's the kind of thing where it's like, well, I might have seen part of it. I watched enough MST3K, you know, scattered about my youth. Uh, but I have not seen it in recent years, at least. So if I saw any bit of it MST3K style, I, you know, don't specifically recall it. Didn't, you know, it didn't land there up in like the Manos or Mitchell, uh, you know, Mitchell. memory. <laughs> I hadn't seen this. I hadn't heard of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting, too, looking to find where to watch this. I think the first couple of sites I got lit- listed it, but were the MST3K version of it. And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> don't want to just steal jokes from them and tell them <laughs> on the podcast. And then the freebie version, which I think most of us watched, was I think specifically in the title, it mentioned it was Schlock. so we kind of knew what we were getting into then doug oh i already said uh there's no way i'd seen this before okay (laughs) (laughs) all right so yeah kevin tell us about teenagers from outer space 
Sure. A movie okay. that has not nearly enough teenagers. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so much is going to be explained that I don't understand about the movie just from what Kevin's about to say. <laughs> I, I hope this is somewhat educational. I, I, I researched the movie and I think the, the most interesting thing about the story of this movie getting made is, is really all about its creator, Tom Graff. Uh, he grew up in the Los Angeles area, studied film at UCLA, uh, did a few short films that featured some actually recognizable names. Uh, let's see, Vincent Price was a narrator in one of them, and uh, Joe E. Brown, who was in Some Like It Hot, he was the guy who... Nobody's the perfect. The Nobody's perfect, exactly. In 1956, uh, Graff was hired as Roger Corman's assistant on the movie Not of This Earth. Corman himself has a pretty interesting history. He's produced a laundry list of B-movies, including Teenage Caveman, The Undead, and more recently, Sharktopus for the Sci-Fi Channel. <laughs> but yeah, also... The Little Shop of Horrors. That's right, the original. And um, in that very movie, he, he gave Jack Nicholson his start. He had William Shatner in one of his movies before Star Trek was ever a thing. And uh, Scorsese and James Cameron both worked with Corman very early in their careers as well. Um, unlike those famous folks... Graf learned the wrong lessons from Corman <laughs> and set out to make himself a low-budget sci-fi movie named, depending on the year and the market it was released in, The Boy from Outer Space, The Ray Gun Terror, The Gargan Terror, or most famously, Teenagers from Outer Space. Uh, he was Can the, I just say, and it, really quick, I love the idea of Tom Graf being on Roger Corman's set and going, eh, I can do this. <laughs> that, I mean... Everything I read, that was basically what led him to making this movie. He saw it. He was like, yup, I can make a really cheap movie. Let's rock and roll. What's the issue there? I'm not very familiar with Corman's work other than by reputation. But I don't think there's anything really inherently. Yeah, no. I mean, he had an audience. He, I assume, was profitable enough. He made something like 150 movies or something along those lines. Um, yeah, but... It would be like walking onto a Spielberg set and going, I can do this. This is yeah. hard. <laughs> he really had not done much outside of school prior to that, uh, whatever he was, the assistant to Corman. So he decided he could definitely be the writer, director, producer, cinematographer, editor, and play the role of journalist Joe Rogers in his own movie. Um, it was financed by the actors who went on to play the alien leader, Hilda and Thor in the movie, uh, the latter of whom ultimately sued for his investment back. Total budget was something between fifteen dollars and $20,000. The movie was released in 1959, didn't exactly do great, and was panned by critics. I love, by the way, that this movie was a double feature with the second Godzilla movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was interesting for me, too. I mean, that catches us up to the release of the movie, but I want to go on a little bit more about Graf. Later, the year of its release, like late 1959, he had a mental breakdown and declared himself in a newspaper ad in, I believe, the Los Angeles Times to be Jesus Christ II, tried to legally have his name changed to Jesus Christ II, which wasn't allowed due to opposition by the Christian Defense League, got himself arrested for disturbing the peace after trying to give loud, uninvited sermons at a church and a college, Fast forward a few years, and he tries to break back into show business with another ad, uh, this time in Variety, announcing his screenplay Orf, O-R-F, was for sale for $500,000, which was, I mean, ludicrously unheard of at the time, trying to sell something like that. Uh, Probably he was still. I, I would say, yeah. There was another movie around the same time that I think I bought for 400000 I don't remember which one it was, but it was like a name anyone would recognize as compared to Orf. 
he was outed as the Jesus Christ, the second guy by a columnist in the Los Angeles Times, which ended his career. No one bought his half million dollar movie. And on something of a down note, he ultimately committed suicide in 1970 at the age of 41. Also, not the only suicide that columnist is connected with. Oh, is that right? Good Lord. Yeah, because it's the same columnist that basically drove Gene Seberg to kill herself. Gosh. With the whole, I don't know how much people know about Gene Seberg and the Black Panther Party baby stuff. That's something you can look up on your own time because we're going to get really far afield. <laughs> but I, I just want to point out one suicide seems misfortune. Two seems a bit worse. Uh, my lawyer is advising me to tell me, tell us all that that is not a connection that we can make. Uh, <laughs> well, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is a columnist still alive? Uh, no, she is not. Boom. You can't libel the dead. You can make whatever connections you want. Uh, my lawyer says he did not learn that in his 10 minutes. Your lawyer game. sucks. <laughs> uh, he is nodding. Oh, you pay him for his retainer. Jolly ranchers. He Hat brings his own retainer, um, comes in a little case. I don't think there are Jolly Ranchers in it, but I haven't looked close. Oh, what's that? Oh, okay. He says he has to go now. He's going to be late for his shift at the Cinnabon. I think you hired Barry Zuckercorn. Is that why he looks so familiar to me? <laughs> he just seemed like he had a face I could trust. I mean, he does. He does. So I guess let's start at the beginning. The two characters we never see again. <laughs> looking up in the telescope <laughs> do we never see them again i thought one of them was the guy who gets who's this the head of the science department professor of science yeah well, no because the guy in the the professor there in the beginning of the movie has a fake beard <laughs> oh, yeah. like a very clearly yeah. fake beard and the guy later doesn't so it's just a different professor <laughs> okay right. yeah, the yeah, first part's we'll- just flavor i think I guess in my head, I was just like, oh, that's probably the same guy and didn't care anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to, like, remember what the first guy's face looked like. Like, the guy who was looking through the telescope. I was like, what did he look like? Yeah, it wasn't him, but I assumed the other guy was like, oh, glasses, glasses, same guy. (laughs) I thought he just, like, he was doing, like, double duty as the doctor. (laughs) It sets the mood, Charlie. I don't know what to tell you. No, it does. Yeah. Although it doesn't set the mood, because really I was gonna, the opening that's a scene, strange conclusion to come to. <laughs> it's really the opening scene with the aliens that really sets the mood. Nothing like a good dog vaporization to let you know what the movie has in store. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad Brianne did not watch this movie with me, because she does not like it when dogs die, and this dog died immediately. <laughs> so my assumption was that they were space cops. Because they showed up, a dog barked at them, and they immediately domed it. I don't think we can keep that, Charlie. <laughs> we might lose our uh, our Law and Order audience. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was kind of interesting that like it starts out in the first five minutes with what feels like a revelation that would happen at the end of a movie. Like, our whole entire society is a lie. <laughs> no, you There's just got to get the exposition out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cards on the table. I adored this movie. Probably not for the reasons one should like movies, but as an, a vehicle of entertainment, delivered. And that first real scene 
where they're all talking very stiltedly about crazy, insane things that <laughs> you guys ever seen the TV show Party Down? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it sounds like one of Roman's scripts, like one of his sci-fi <laughs> scripts that he's re- like writing. And yeah, just like names out of nowhere, weird things happening, very matter-of-fact dialogue. I loved it so much. It was the it was like every parody of a bad sci-fi movie but not a parody what i love about that scene i think it's the at least one of very few times there's many aliens talking to each other and it really highlights how every actor has decided to wildly overact or underact in a very different way like any (laughs) one direction and it would kind of feel like they'd made a conscious choice like this is how the aliens are but it's just like no two aliens are at all alike one another yet apparently come from the same place all speaking english <laughs> the places yes. they have have english words on them <laughs> <laughs> the multi-channel mixer yes exactly oh which i read was literally just a piece of production equipment that they didn't bother to put a label on top of that was just a sound mixer they had laying around oh yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> it sounds sufficiently science fictiony it works as did the lobster Oh my gosh, the lobster. (laughs) I like how they first show it like really like sort of shadowy. You're like, what is that? I think it's a lobster, but I'm not 100% sure. I think they just pulled that out of the supermarket tank. (laughs) (laughs) The Gargan. Yeah, do you think they ate it at the end of the shooting? Well, I don't know. It probably vaporized. No, no, no. I don't mean. I I, I mean, like, literally. The cast and crew. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking it, plot points here. In the movie, do you think <laughs> the men feasted on the corpse of the alien monster? <laughs> if it's good enough for the aliens, it's good enough for us. That's right. I did I enjoy know. that it was a backup food source for the aliens. Yeah, not even their primary. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, we might need this one day. <laughs> we might have a hankering for bisque <laughs> also to jump way ahead to near the end of the movie but i love the moment where like they have this very rigid conformed society that apparently is one dude away from just the brink of collapse <laughs> <laughs> i guess yeah kind of digging into it though i did kind of like how like oh we have no brothers and sisters we have no families and we're all you know, raised like animals, except for the leader. And he's like, no, you're my son. <laughs> Which actually kind of made sense, you know? know yeah, no, he's like, all right, well, here's how everyone else is going to behave, and I'm going to behave differently, because <laughs> it's important to me. Probably the most real thing about the whole movie. I know. <laughs> but also a reveal that happens right at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It is real end of movie stuff. Like, Yeah, the leader could have been coming out of the spaceship and like, why are you here? Well, you're my son. That's why they haven't destroyed you yet. There really is like a whole, there's a whole movie's worth of drama and plot action in that scene. <laughs> let's, let's get all this over with so we can get to all the driving scenes. Yeah. <laughs> Dog murder, check. Burning bush, check. Driving really to the desert, like... driving back from the desert, and back to the <laughs> <Yeah>. desert. <laughs> For what little it's worth, I've seen worse movies with a lot more driving and parking. Like, these <laughs> ones at least, like, it 
I never felt that it completely overstayed its welcome. That very restrained driving scenes. Yeah. I, yeah, I did really like that. that long shot, though, you know, where you can tell, like, during the chase scene, you know, like, where <laughs> it's like, oh, I'll go over to the other side of the valley, and you guys drive, and we'll, like, maybe speed it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was, someone jumps out of a car at one point, and it's very clearly sped up, because she rolls at, like, 400 miles an hour, yeah, and then very quickly right. comes to a halt. And then they, and then they uh, wreck a car using, I assume, a pretty decent portion of the budget. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was already wrecked. I don't know. <laughs> but I was just going to point out that on cinematic respect, at one point we watched Solaris, which has like, is, what is it, like a five minute driving sequence, maybe even longer. No, oh, yeah. That does not seem relevant to any part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> They're just driving through Tokyo. All right. <laughs> Why are they doing that? Eh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, yeah, we get a very uh, exposition heavy first scene or so and then it moves into every town usa aka somewhere near la all the most <laughs> credulous people you've ever met in your life <laughs> right <laughs> well hey stranger you're a part of our family now <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any money that's fine you Damn have no boomers. possessions we will ask no questions <laughs> Boomers didn't have to have jobs. They didn't need to have any form of identification. <laughs> Old men would just offer you a place to live, and you'd get the house with, when they died. With your teenage daughter. Yeah. <laughs> this does uh, happen over the course of one day. They establish Maybe. that because of it was how hard the, to tell sometimes. the Gargans uh, increase in size, I think. Oh, yeah. It was hard to tell just based on, like, shots would clearly be taken at different times of day with no attempt to disguise that. Right, right. It was like, yeah, oh, okay, I guess it's nighttime because these car driving scenes are all very dark. And no, that's just the interior of the car. Yeah, that's the grandfather explaining like all the, like, oh, no, my daughter ran off with that guy that she dismatched. They're in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> huh? <laughs> you haven't met the new guy yet. He's in my will. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to meet him? He's at the following address, stranger I've never met. <laughs> he, he got so many people murdered. It was wild. He just kept sending this guy after everyone. Now, I read a bit that the effects were apparently derided for just being the same skeleton more or less over and over again. God, I love it, though. And and yeah, while I kind of agree with that, like here, what are we like 60 years, 65 years later, something like that? I found them very charming and also more violent than I was expecting. Even though they're not gory, they are, you know, people just dying left and right. And I do like the way the skeletons, like, kind of twitch a bit before they finally... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone, someone's out of frame, you know, shaking the leg a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but I like that. <laughs> I... That the best part of that effect for me is that unlike a real skeleton, it's clearly like bolted together. And he, he, yeah. he turns someone into a skeleton in a car, then picks them up by their spine and just kind of unceremoniously <laughs> tosses them. Off <laughs> <shot>. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. And it's just the one skeleton. I don't know that we ever see yeah. two skeletons in the same <laughs> shot. So again, a cost saving measure. I was definitely paying attention. I was like, if they show two skeletons, <laughs> they haven't done it yet, so why would they? If they if they had two skeletons, they would have done it right away. <laughs> would have just come across a a car with a couple in it and murdered them both. Yeah, yeah. Just to show off the special effects <laughs> budget. 
like, look, look, this guy's got two skeletons. What's his budget? $25,000? <laughs> Did anyone notice anything weird with the dubbing? I remember reading that to save money in at least a few of the scenes, I don't know if it was just the outdoor scenes or what, he recorded all the dialogue before shooting the film so he wouldn't have oh, really? to record them during filming again to save money. Um, I out. did notice a couple moments where I was like, oh, that looked like a weird dub. But then like the next scene like would be more or less in sync. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm sure it's fine. So I felt like they actually did a decent job. I was going to say worked out, I guess. Yeah, I definitely noticed it, but I felt very much like, you know, after the fact dubbing. Like I didn't notice that it was before <laughs> before right. the fact, like trying <laughs> yeah. to match. You kind of assume it's someone like in there watching the footage trying to. Yeah. Yeah, there were a few moments where I'm like, is this the original actor's voice? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. I did notice that once. Because just you know, just because of the dubbing, I was like, hmm. The Aunt Beru effect. What? <laughs> From in the Star Wars. Oh, Aunt Beru. Yeah. Got it. Got it. He's just not a farmer, Owen. Apparently, they, her voice was too too low for the uh, for their tastes, so they dubbed over her. Now there's a movie that can afford multiple skeletons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that was the time first time I was traumatized by skeletons. <laughs> if I want to see this movie at that age, it might have warmed me up to it. Uh, Doug's got a good point. This I don't think this movie is as good as Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> you shut your mouth. One thing I really liked about it was how much everything was just so announced. Like, I was like, I am following right along. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> there is no room for misinterpretation here. <laughs> I felt like they kept up the pace pretty well. Yeah, it felt like it didn't really drag. And having recently sat through Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, <laughs> which very much drags for long periods, I really appreciated that this didn't really drag. I think having Thor get injured and kind of forcing the main characters to help him in the middle of the movie kind of guys's point they kept it interesting it wasn't just driving and thor chasing after the characters the entire time they they moved the plot along in interesting enough ways to uh, again i don't want to say keep me entertained in the sincerest sense of the word but to at least keep it somewhat interesting one thing i did notice though was how self-contained each sort of plot thread is like oh we have to deal with Thor. Now we dealt with Thor. Now it's time to worry about the lobster. Now we dealt with the lobster. Now it's time to worry about like the aliens coming back. <laughs> like there's no overlap in any way, really. Like they don't get threatened by the lobster and then Thor shows up to make things more complicated. It's like, no, we, we know what you want. We know you can't handle too much at once. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what what else to really delve into, except just keep talking like this and kind of riffing on it, like really invites that. <laughs> it's not intended to be a very deep or meaningful right, right. movie, right? It's just a movie that the guy put together to see if he could do it. And I felt I, like he could. I, I agree that there is almost a 0% chance that there was much of a deeper meaning to this. But as I read more about this guy, the the director, writer, etc. I mean, again, I'm like forcing myself to make a connection. He, he was gay, and he actually had a relationship with the main character, and I saw something resembling a parallel in the main character kind of coming to this new world and ultimately 
killing himself. Sacrificing himself. Sacrificing himself. Like, I, if forced to, I could almost draw some comparisons to what ended up happening in Tom's life, but mm-hmm. it's it's a stretch. And obviously that wasn't intentional, I think. No, yeah. I, absolutely not intentional. I, I thought it was interesting, and I at some point we'll probably rewatch it to see if I can string together any more plot elements into fitting that narrative. But so should we talk about Betty? So I mean the actress she was good. <laughs> yeah. The material she I, was the material. given. I oh yeah. <laughs> certainly serviceable. It was a very stereotypical nineteen fifties female character role, mostly running around being in distress, calling nine one one to turn off the electricity, etc. <laughs> <laughs> Classic, just classic. Get, get, getting the, the power plant guy to just do what she says. You have to trust me. Okie doke. All I needed here. It's like another one of those credulous moments. Like, I want to live in this world. Minus all the bad stuff that happens, I want to live in that world that they're in. This is the 15th time someone has asked me to turn the power up this month, but I got a good feeling about this. <laughs> I'll, I'll pull the lever. That's what I'm here for. We need more power. Well, like, there's another lever I guess I could pull. I mean, <laughs> you want me to pull that one, too? On, Kevin. Over there. 15th time this month, but first time after the television said that there's a giant monster. That's yeah. You don't want to be the guy who could have killed the giant monster, but didn't. <laughs> Right? But yeah, the script did lean very much into her uh, being a woman who doesn't understand what's going on and couldn't possibly understand. At the same time, (laughs) I feel like she did. She was sharp, though, at the same time. Like, she didn't spend that much time, like... Maybe that's just the main character's prejudice, I guess, saying like... like. She was the one who brought them to the doctor, (laughs) She was the one who suggested they go to the college. <laughs> like, she knows all the people about town, like, to get you what you need. And she wasn't like a wilting flower. Like, she insists on going with him everywhere. She's not going to hide in the cellar. She, she never stayed where she was told to stay. Yes. <laughs> not I was trying to be charitable. <laughs> I think I was mostly referring to the scene where the, the main character just says i can't tell you because you wouldn't possibly understand despite (laughs) you know seeing people vaporized and (laughs) can we talk about how the alien is named derek (laughs) (laughs) funniest thing thor and derek classic everyone got to pick their own names (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna be derek i'm gonna be thor Wait, wait, can I be Thor? <laughs> you already picked Derek. How do you spell Derek? Uh, D-E-R-E-K. That seems spacey, right? <laughs> it's a minor point, but I liked that the lobster monster screamed in the voice of a man. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, like, wait, what? what? That, that was... <laughs> Whatever the hell noise it was making. I could just not. What's, not crack like when it was time, terrorizing people in the hills and stuff just pretty much any time it was doing anything off camera on camera wandering around getting shot at just the same oh. high-pitched man shriek <laughs> i didn't even notice oh really oh god yeah i like the shadow puppetry yeah where i was like oh it's like a clever shadow no that's supposed to be the monster okay 
it's entirely possible that I turned my brain off while watching this movie. <laughs> That's <laughs> unacceptable, but okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> How dare you, sir? Well, you, I wanted to enjoy it. Oh, that's fair. Didn't you know there was a podcast coming? Didn't want to cinema sins the heck out of it, you know? Jeez. <laughs> so you, you have to turn your brain off to sit to not cinema sins movies? Dumb ones. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I think the weird thing about the monster, though, is just since it's going to be the focus of at least part of your movie, you think you would do something other than just a lobster? <laughs> like... Maybe send some of your budget on, like, making a creature or something. But it seems almost like an afterthought. Charlie, have you seen a lobster? (laughs) Those are weird. That is an alien. Yeah, I guess all the way in L.A., I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like these were New Englanders making this film, Charlie. (laughs) Literally the first time anyone on the West Coast had seen a lobster. (laughs) (laughs) Probably cost them half their budget to ship it. But yeah, it goes back to what Adam was saying. Like, a, oh, I can do this. Well, let's just put something in here. Don't have to make it good. Wait, you're saying there's not any good stock footage of a lobster out of the water? <laughs> mm. <laughs> We're going to have to come up with a different strategy. <laughs> I appreciated, I mean, and this is barely a compliment. I appreciated that they at least showed some sort of monster because there were a few scenes especially near the end when the ships were crashing down to earth where it was just people like pointing out of frame and saying oh my gosh guys look what's happening and i mean there clearly was at least a small special effects budget i don't think it would have been that difficult to render some of those things but uh, again just to come back to it render like they had computers well i mean i guess i don't know how special effects worked back there it just putting just hand film a on top of other film or something <laughs> The, uh, draw, draw the muzzle flashes out right on the film. Yes. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that. Like, oh, they got ray guns too. <laughs> now, hold up. About the monster, I was thinking, you got me thinking, which we already established is something I don't enjoy. Uh, but <laughs> the whole point of the plot is that these are food. You know, the Gargan is, it's, it's an animal to be eaten. It's livestock. So, you know, you can't make it look like some sort of horrible, ghastly, rubber suit monster man. It needs to be some sort of horrible, ghastly, delicious dinner. (laughs) Which is, of course, the lobster. I mean, it did have me thinking, like, they eat pretty well. (laughs) I mean, maybe we should be doing this. Lobsters are a million times larger. Could harvest from the the air. Yeah. I was really hoping for the peace ending, where it's like... You know, they might survive in the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Would have been funnier if they had a giant cow as the uh, monster at the end of the movie. (laughs) I think what I like about this movie and more generally, really all of the quote unquote bad movies is kind of like the room. Like this was clearly made with sincerity. Like this was someone trying his best to direct, write, act in, produce cinematograph i don't know how you turn that into that and even though the end result was ridiculous it was endearingly ridiculous and i don't know it didn't feel like some cash grab which it certainly did not turn out to be it had in as far as a relatively poorly acted movie can it had it had heart and i don't know that's really at the core of why i picked this 
setting aside the acting and like the script itself like just in terms of like how it was shot and stuff i found myself sort of this is going to be damning with faint prairies i (laughs) found myself impressed with how competent it was it was a movie it was a movie but it wasn't like a badly shot or framed movie like yeah okay there were some lighting problems and stuff like that but given the budget and what they were working with you weren't getting the same scene repeated over and over again it wasn't an actor holding a cape over their face because your main actor has died (laughs) it's not the same car crash being shown half a dozen times as different car crashes like i appreciated it to your point there, some of the review I mean, the reviews were not positive, but some of the reviews at least commented that if Graf, instead of trying to do literally everything, kind of just focused on one element, you know, didn't spread himself so thin that he probably could produce work that would be, you know, good. Just a shame that that's not how it worked out. Yeah, because I've seen far worse movies than this. For sure. Both high and low budget. I would watch this in a heartbeat before I ever watched Fant Forstick again. <laughs> <laughs> and I defy you to disagree with me. I, I don't <laughs> disagree. <laughs> but that's one of the reasons I love it too, is that I think all of the missteps kind of help you see the good aspects of it, but also just, I guess, understand movies a little bit more. <laughs> like you're like, oh, why doesn't this work? All right, let's think about it. One particular scene... That I mean, this is not really egregious at all, but I just happened to notice that when there's three of them in the car and the main actress is sitting in the back seat, they didn't remove the rear view mirror. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, you just you just take that off and then you put it back she in turns, when you're done. <laughs> her right, and her eyes are gone yeah. while she's speaking. I was like, yeah. you know what? I like. I think that's the part of the charm, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then it's like, now I'm going to keep looking for rear view mirrors. And but then you're like, well, there. maybe the, maybe it wasn't didn't come off easily. Maybe they had to return the car when they were done. Like, I don't know. <laughs> they, they had to borrow it's it. a lot of complications. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And with a low budget, especially. There was one story I read that the house, Grandpa's house that they used, was a real person's house that he sort of conned his way into using because <laughs> he like claimed he was a student there. And he like got the woman who lived there to essentially pay for their electricity use by just letting them plug into her outlets. <laughs> you don't have money? That's okay. <laughs> So I appreciate the hustle in some respects. Yeah. Very Bowfinger. <laughs> I like it. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, he made a movie that, I don't know exactly what it would be, but adjusted for inflation, it still would have cost less than like $100,000 in modern day. It's, I mean, it's an accomplishment. I haven't oh. made a movie of that quality or higher. $15,000 in 1959 is about $158,000 now. Okay. So, yeah. That's less than a house. <laughs> and that house that they used now costs $2 million. Yeah. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> I think it was filmed in L.A., so you're probably not too far off. As evidenced by like the LAPD logo on the stop sign and things. And the famous cave. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Bronson Canyon. Is that like Bronson Pinochet? But yes, that is Bronson. <laughs> <laughs> that is Bronson Cave or Bronson Canyon. Oh, so quite a list of movies that have uh, featured that cave. Yeah, looks like almost all 20th 
sensory Star Trek shows, with the exception of the cartoon, obviously. Star Trek VI, <laughs> they saved Hitler's brain. Oh, Teenage Caveman itself. And MST3K classic Ega. Never even heard of that one. It features a delightful scene of a caveman being shaved and <laughs> licking a lot of the shaving cream off his face. I <laughs> highly recommend it. So, yeah, I guessed going into this movie that the teenager's aspect would be like some sort of metaphor. <laughs> but it turned, I'm guessing then it was just like a uh, this is what we call movies these days sort of title. Yeah, this is what's going to sell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I really expected a lot more like delinquency. Like, I thought they were going to be a bunch of greasers like walking out of the. <laughs> they were going to be like, true. hey, Gramps, you know, swinging chains and stuff. Swinging chains and shooting them with ray guns. <laughs> yeah. We were promised delinquency in the freebie description of the movie. You know, that probably had a hand in, in painting my view of it. That's a very inaccurate description. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Acting wise, the main character's performance reminded me very much of the main character from Scanners. So you think uh, this guy also didn't know what was happening and chose to play it aloofly? (laughs) Uh, No, I think he came about it naturally. Sorry, it just took me a second to think back to scanners, and you're right, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> like the the two yeah. actors look kind of similar too. Hmm. So I guess a couple of random points. Uh, question: What was Sparky doing that far out in the desert? <laughs> they later say that like it's several miles that they have to hitchhike into town. I don't know. One of those kind of side dogs. You just yeah, them, maybe you know, chase to go for endlessly five <laughs> miles. <laughs> It was a safer time. Because <laughs> I thought about it, and when they noticed that Sparky hadn't come back, even if they hadn't killed Sparky, <laughs> Sparky still wouldn't have been back. Couldn't have made it. <laughs> what? No. Because tr- Derek made his way there. Did he walk the whole way? Oh, he might have, I guess. We can only assume that he ran. Because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other guy went the wrong direction, first, as far as we know. He and he knew not his way back. I guess that, oh, yeah. That could be. yeah. He also knew not to run in the middle of the road on a bend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Just the, the sort of trope of the aliens not knowing certain things, but knowing other things. It's fine. <laughs> what is this? Like a uh, means of conveyance. What is this? It's a gear shift. Oh, now that I know that's a gear shift, I can drive <laughs> five minutes later. <laughs> I read without attribution, so this may not be true, but that uh, the Mars attacks killing of turning them into skeletons was influenced by this movie oh well makes sense i definitely like this skeleton thing i thought it was a pretty strong way to start off i was like oh okay yeah not pulling any punches here no and i gotta say i don't know if this was done before but i thought that like the the screw into the ground saucer ship was like a like a, a genius thing to do when it comes to budget you know, yeah. Like, oh, you got a big <laughs> ship. Like you put it under the ground. <laughs> but it's like kind of a cool idea too. You know, they might be landing on planets that are very windy or whatever. No, I agree. I liked it. It was a it was a good news day, right? Or a bad news day, depending. Where the man eating beast escapes from a cave is the second story of the day. <laughs> <laughs> 
Look, you. <laughs> I mean, a man eating beast, whatever, right? But people need to know about that 14th marriage <laughs> or whatever it said on the side <laughs> repeatedly, like in every edition. <laughs> the first story was a double murder. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I think it's interesting. Just like, hey, I'm investigating a double murder. Like something about the delivery on that really like. <laughs> you'd think it would be a bigger deal in whatever town this is where they're like, hey, stranger, I love you. <laughs> I also feel like calling it a double murder is burying the lead when you found two skeletons piled on top of one another. Like it implies something a little more dramatic than murder. Yes. <laughs> Just bone dry skeletons of the taxi. Oh, no big deal. <laughs> it must have been murder. I think, I think they fell out of a scientist's truck. Betty had the right idea. Like, that was smart when she came and said, like, this can't be my dog. <laughs> Wouldn't be a pile of bones. Yeah. She's, she had that forensic she, sh- she should have been a police officer. <laughs> Maybe that's what she grows up to be. Maybe. You know, in a lesser movie, I can imagine the townsfolk being, uh, you know, whipping up into a frenzy over a warlock trying to raise an army of skeletons. It's like everywhere you turn, there's more skeletons. <laughs> also, I was kind of a big fan of how important to the plot it was that, like, Gramps was on the other side of the road and someone needed to help him. Oh, yeah! Across. He, was, <laughs> he was presumably trying desperately to cross for the entirety of the shootout. <laughs> and they cut back to him actively trying to, like, on. frogger over there. <laughs> it's like... Can I go now? Can I go now? There's a shootout over there. Yeah. Another thing that reminded me of Bowfinger. (laughs) Eddie Murphy's character just trying to get across the street or the highway or whatever. Oh, no. These are paid drivers. Oh, they are? It's a great movie. You should all watch it. Now that I know that, it's it's up to the urgency. Man, if only Chubby Rain were real, we could watch that for the shuffle. <laughs> yeah, so how about the ending? He sacrifices himself and appears in the sky. <laughs> I, I was unreasonably actually sad. <laughs> I like actually thought there was going to be a happy ending. Like, it just came from I mean, two different worlds. <laughs> it was kind of well done though and that like he reminded you oh yeah see i said i wasn't gonna leave earth <laughs> and i was like oh have, okay <laughs> that makes sense landed a little bit better if he didn't like at every opportunity reassure the uh betty that like no don't worry about it like you gotta you gotta trust me here you gotta trust me here like if they had actually kind of led us to believe that for whatever reason he turned sides i think it could have been a much more powerful <laughs> ending yeah like trust me when i say i promise i'll never leave i'm talking about my dead body (laughs) (laughs) talking about my lifeless corpse (laughs) oh yeah so he dies lifeless corpses yeah speaking of lifeless corpses are we to assume that his dad is dead too i think so yeah i think chaos is about to happen on that planet he's yeah stuff's about to get real revolution the book and all that it's a shame we never got a sequel look it's not every day you overthrow a totalitarian government and save a different planet guy's an overachiever that's all i gotta say real quick question i haven't seen battlefield earth does that happen in battlefield earth 
I'm plugging in my ears. I don't want to be. Yeah, they destroy the alien planet, I think. Or at least the large. They like send a bomb back or something, right? Don't they like teleport a bomb back? We're going to have to check. So it's not political revolution. Well, I mean, it's like. But it is like the fate of two worlds, right? Two very stupid worlds, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm having Battlefield Earth flashbacks. (laughs) This corpse weighs a thousand extra pounds. Oh, well, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) No need to check what's going on there. Oh, and we can all fly Harrier jets after 20 minutes of studying a book. (laughs) Yeah, I'd rather watch this than that. (laughs) High praise. So, yeah, overall, I... I enjoyed this movie. Maybe not for the reasons intended, but I found it very charming. It kept my interest for pretty much the whole way through. I didn't really mind the storyline that much. And yeah, like the acting and stuff was very, it is my first time learning these lines, but it kind of added to the charm, honestly. I enjoyed this movie. Thank you, Kevin, for recommending it. Hey, glad to hear it. You're welcome. And uh, I would recommend it to people who are looking for a good, enjoyable, fun movie, although maybe not intentionally so. Also, it was free to watch. That did not hurt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My favorite fact about this is that somehow this got distributed by Warner Brothers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was surprised (laughs) to see that at the end. But that they didn't care enough to renew the copyright. So that's why it's in public domain. (laughs) (laughs) Because they were like, Ah, we're going to let this one lapse. We're never going to make money off this. Similar to Adam, I really liked it. There was a lot of charm to it. You know, I I tend to think I like, quote, bad movies quite a bit. But this one just didn't even feel like one, I guess. And I think just the way that the the way the lines were delivered and the way the plot moved in a nice linear fashion, I think it's going to be difficult to start whatever movie I watch next, because I'll be like, they're not telling me what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) They're not clearly laying out for me. What is going on? What are these characters thinking? I don't like this, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, aside from that, yeah, there's just a lot to like about it. And I, I might have to uh, go watch the MST three K version now too, because in my head, I was kind of imagining what they would be saying in certain scenes gonna watch that and be like oh that wasn't as good as my head riff uh (laughs) (laughs) or like oh it was the 90s you know of course they were gonna say that when alice came on screen (laughs) season four episode four i don't have much else to say that i haven't said already but one i'm glad to hear people are saying they actually enjoyed watching this movie i was worried that this was going to be a much more downbeat isn't quite the right word but angry episode (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. um and yeah, I mean, like I said, these these movies are comfort food for me. I think, as has been said so far, uh, there are w- movies that are dramatically worse than this. I think this is a perfectly entertaining, great example of, you know, pre-Star Wars sci-fi cheapo movie. And yeah, no, I, I'm confident I will watch it again in the future, whether it is, you know, with or without the riffing, I can't say right now, but glad folks seems to have uh, got something out of it at least yeah i've always had kind of a soft spot for these types of movies too like i said kind of making you think about making movies and like why things don't work like i'm just now thinking about the lobster too and i don't think it's that it doesn't feel like they were making the story 
about like trying to make a food source and then saying, well, we better put a lobster in. I think it was like, the monster's going to be a lobster. How do we explain <laughs> <laughs> what it's going to be? And we already shot the lobster footage. <laughs> <laughs> we already ate the lobster. We can't shoot more. <laughs> it's yeah. So I really enjoyed myself. I actually found myself getting annoyed by the fact I was watching Freebie and the commercials came on. I was like, <laughs> yeah. it's really slowing down the pace of something that's actually working pretty well, despite the fact that like. I was noticing how often they were getting in cars to go to different places. Just people chasing each other back and forth in cars. What do you want? Just to show up? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> how else did they get there? We need to know. I guess the one thing I really did miss is I love to watch movies like this with people in the same room and kind of do what we're doing like live as the movie's going. So it kind of made me made me miss that a little bit. Well, maybe you should have group watched with us. Well, I can't. Do you and guys do that? Then you would have that? been in sync until the first commercial break. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <That was> quite, <laughs> glorious. Like first few minutes, there were some timely riffs. I, okay, <laughs> I had a thirty-second commercial. Paul had two minutes. Doug had three minutes, and somehow that's how it kept going. Such that I think I finished watching the movie a full ten minutes before. <laughs> Doug that is correct. <laughs> Doug, uh, it was a movie. It came together as a movie, which not all movies do. I don't know. I mean, it was it was a trifle, but uh, it was fun. Like like I said, it was well paced and it wasn't overly long. So yeah, it was it was enjoyable. I I liked that they kept up a sense of suspense throughout. You never felt bored, or at least I didn't. So yeah, thanks Kevin for introducing teenagers from outer space to us. Of course. And so the fickle finger of fate now points at Doug. Me? All right, I guess I'll choose a movie from a master of horror. We're going to go with John Carpenter's Dark Star, a movie that I haven't actually seen. Ooh, me either. And I'm told that it's fairly mediocre. You don't (laughs) like to watch. We're going to watch it anyway. Would you like to watch the original student version or the theatrical version that's been padded out a bit? The padded out version. Theatrical version. Got it. Right. Unless there's an, uh, an availability issue. Uh, I don't know. I guess. Have you looked at the availability of Dark Star? Not in several months. Oh, yeah. It looks like it's free on everything. But can I pay for it also? Yes. yes probably. Actually, you can. Okay. You can give uh, Microsoft, Amazon, Google. Looks like Apple, your hard earned money. I choose all of the above. All right. Well, if you go through the Google or slash YouTube route, you can pay extra. Really? Oh, yeah. $17. Wow. Really? Mm. Exciting. But yeah, it's on uh, Roku, Tubi, Crackle, Pluto TV, Canopy, Plex. Says it's free on Plex and Shout TV. So if you don't want ads, Hmm. I actually have the DVD of this, so I don't need to worry about that. But found it at a Goodwill. So for another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report, my name is Charlie Wallace. And I'm Adam Gobeski. Thanks to our three guests, Doug Gobeski. Thank you for having me. Kevin Vredevog. Hey, it's been a blast. And Paul Weecox. It was a pleasure. <laughs> so is the Weecox like an accessory or is that like a spinoff? Like, is that halfway between the Wii U and the Wii? Um, just envision the PlayStation Move controllers for the Wii. <laughs>
So the but regular smaller. remotes, <laughs> but smaller. So we're just talking about Wiimotes here. Oh, is this a, a name for the Wiimotes? Um, yes. Well, it's got the round yeah. part at the end, though, yeah, right? That's a little the, more. The Wiimote doesn't have. Yeah, it's more of like a got a you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know the joke. He doesn't have to say it. Surely. <laughs> sure, I can no, say it. If I learned anything from this movie, is that it needs to be spelled out. <laughs> no subtlety. <laughs> That's our show. Thanks for listening. We hope you check us out. Don't forget you can visit our website at www.gobeskywallacereport.com. Also, we're on Facebook and Twitter, so make sure to look for us there for extra entertaining bits. You will be entertained. Possibly. Wait. So you're definitely entertained, but only possibly entertained. Well, I don't want to get sued for false advertising. Welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report, Rogan like. I'm Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. And we have uh, three guests with us. We probably, we're, we're good at that point. No one wants to bring up, no one wants to question that. A Rogan like? Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> it took me a second to, to, to understand <laughs> the implications of that. <laughs> All podcasts are Rogan likes. <laughs> there, now you have a tag. <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking of this now, but that tree that they shot with <laughs> with the laser gun, and then everybody immediately recognized that that tree had been hit. <laughs> it was the vaporizer tree, gun. Charlie. <laughs> it's a burned tree, I guess. <laughs> no, I I immediately just was like, put that out. You're gonna start a <laughs> start a forest fire. Some people got I no start- respect. They start an actual fire for this movie. It's a shame that it didn't turn into a skeleton because I would have respected the hell out of consistency. <laughs> oh, yes, tree. I did. <laughs> I did have one thing that I was slightly upset about or disappointed by, and that was that when he kills the Gargan, it doesn't turn into uh, an endoskeleton. Like, have you ever seen the Halloween decoration where it's a spider, but it's a skeleton? Oh, People right, like yeah. post it online <laughs> and they're like, wait, this isn't how spiders work. <laughs> like, I really wanted it to do that. <laughs> Got bones and exoskeleton. Double <laughs> stability. <laughs> now, you just misunderstand how the gun works. It takes your body and replaces them. <laughs> <laughs> with skeleton. It's not your skeleton. <laughs> Those are new just... <laughs> bones. Those are fresh bones. <laughs> oh, it's cash crops. So you turn them into skeletons, and then because the bones are their money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so disappointed I didn't make that the night that the skeletons came to life connection until just now. Oh, God. So many opportunities.